So welcome back, everyone. I am Lynn Gilliland. This is Lessons from Leaders. This podcast is hosted by my own company, um, Lynn Gilliland Consulting, as well as Humentum. And I'm so happy or excited also to have Gary White here uh, because of the work you're doing, Gary, and who you are showing up as in the world. And also because um, I've met you way years ago i'm not even sure how many when you were just starting out so gary and i i was uh, working for crs catholic relief services in honduras as the country director and gary was funding some of our potable water projects um and so we were just talking actually before we got on i was looking at gary's bio and he has a picture you have a picture of yourself from back in the day and i was just saying i didn't realize how young we were so mm-hmm. Um, so part of the reason, Gary, that I wanted to talk to you also is because of that trajectory, you starting out in, I think it was around 1990, you had an idea, you brought people together. So just, just talk about that, like how, because, because you went from that and then we'll talk about where, what, where you are now from that little, little seed of a beginning. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. That, uh, you know, the seed is all the way back in those days uh, when we were in Central America and uh, and doing that work. And uh, I was able to learn a tremendous amount about uh, global poverty as well as water and sanitation. And that really, you know, for me was, you know, seeing a problem up close uh, and then also seeing it at scale, knowing that this at that time, you know, still I think it was about 1.5 billion people who didn't have access to water and far more who didn't have access to sanitation and seeing that that massive crisis and then seeing how how kind of weak <laughs> the response was in the face of that crisis uh, really led me as an engineer at that point to, to try to, you know, look at solutions for solving it at scale and I think that the that those initial experiences helped inform me as I got to know people at a household level and see what water poverty looked like to them and I think you know the 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 core of the idea of the organization that I started up then was that you know the local people uh, who were suffering from the crisis best were, were best positioned to know how to solve it and that then led to uh, different elements of of what is now water.org but the how we kind of turned it on its head in terms of finance as opposed to engineering was was a big part of the the exploration that I did knowing that uh, you know from people I met how much money they were already spending to collect water or to, to purchase water or how much time they were spending to collect water in fact, my thesis uh, for my uh, master's degree I did in the, the slums of Tegucigalpa, looking at how much time and money people were spending to secure water for their families and recognizing that there was so much wasted money in the system. If you could just help people get access to a small loan as opposed to giving them charity, they might be able to get the solution that was best for them and their family and they could repay that loan. And this was much more scalable, in my view, than just continuing to raise more philanthropic dollars with our our nonprofit. And so when did that, so in 1990, you had the meeting in the church basement, you got your first money, and correct me if I'm getting the story wrong, and then when did you start seeing this other 
having this other insight about where to what was needed was it like soon did it take years it took a while it took a while i kind of you know skipped through some steps there uh but (laughs) yeah in the early days it was just about trying to you know fund local NGOs who were doing water systems better than the rest, I guess you would say. So we had this extensive screening process that we would put uh, partners through or potential partners through to see how they were doing these community projects. Uh, But over the course of those years, that was 1990 till about the early 2000s, that we were kind of going at it from that direction. But as I had more of these conversations, particularly as our work expanded beyond Central America into to Asia, uh, you know, meeting a lot of uh, poor women there, uh, who were telling me that you know they needed access to water and and toilets uh, for you know health reasons, but also kind of safety and dignity reasons. There's there's a in, in India in particular there's a there's a tremendous number of women who are assaulted every year because they're waiting until the cover of night to go out and defecate. Uh, because they don't have any privacy. And so uh, talking to them and uh, one woman in particular, uh, elderly woman who had taken out uh, a loan uh, to build a toilet and she had gone to a local loan shark and she was telling me about her experience and that, you know, when I did the math on it, she was paying that loan shark 125% interest on that one and meeting other people who were spending you know 25 percent of their income just to purchase water in urban slums because they had no other way of doing that and so recognizing that all this money was kind of sloshing around in the system it's just like let's let's try to get these folks access to to affordable loans so that they can pay the connection fee to get connected to the local utility or to to build a toilet. But the wall that we kept running into was that microfinance institutions, which were a natural fit for this, you know, kept slamming the door in our face saying, you know, there's no way we're going to do loans for water and toilets because what we make loans for like sewing machines or cows or something that results in cash flow. And so it took us kind of de-risking this for these MFIs uh, so that they would actually start making these loans. So we gave them money, grants to do uh, market research, to build up their technical assistance and their marketing around water and sanitation. Uh, with the condition that they would then make these loans. And that's what became known as as water credit. And now that's reached about 53 million people around the world and about <clears throat> about $4 billion in these microloans have kind of churned through the system. And we have more than 150 partners around the world who are, are doing this with us. So what I... I love the story, and there's more to the story. Like we can talk about how you know where you, you know eventually you became Water.org, and now you're also the 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 CEO for Water Equity. Mm-hmm. But and what because um, I'm interested in the attributes of leadership. It's like how you know how how did you and you and I have talked about this. How did little Gary White from twenties <laughs> you know, um, from that, think that he could do this. Like, and what you've told me is, or the last time we talked, you said, you know, it's, you're a social entrepreneur or not. I was thinking, feeling like it's just in your DNA. Like you could not have done anything different. Is that, does that the way it feels to you? 
Yeah, I think once, uh, you know, I recognized that uh, I had this need for for social justice or to, to pursue social justice, as many of us, you know, at CRS back in the 80s had, right. uh, and then trying to match that up with uh, you know, engineering and this this problem. And and for me, you know, there's, a, I don't know who said it, but that expression that, you know, your life should be about finding the intersection of the world's greatest need and your greatest passion. And I think that's what really rang true with me, uh, trying to pursue social justice in the context of this, this issue. So I think that, yes, that was instilled in me, that kind of that service to others uh, instilled in me, you know, at a young age. And I think that carried through to my professional career. And you match that up with, you know, kind of an engineering curiosity, mm. you know, solution seeking mindset and yeah that probably is my dna to you know to to be curious uh about things and asking you know why not uh this and i think that's what led to to us you know pioneering this concept that you know people living in poverty uh, and particularly water po poverty aren't necessarily a problem to be solved as a market to be served and once you start seeing folks as a as a market, then you know you can look at moving beyond philanthropy. And to me, that was the the great innovation was to like, okay, can we as an organization create kind of this financial plumbing, if you will, that can connect, you know, uh, a woman making a few dollars a day to the global capital markets that you know require uh, at least a competitive you know, financial return on their investment. And to that, that concept was just completely, you know, foreign to everybody working as water NGOs. The assumption right. was that everybody was going to be equally poor and too poor uh, to take out a loan. And what we've been able to do is kind of segment the market so that literally, you know, tens of millions and hopefully hundreds of millions of people will be able to seek their own solutions by access to to finance. And now that we have water equity as an asset manager, raising that capital from the global capital markets, uh, you know, providing that competitive financial return, we can now help our partners around the world scale up these portfolios with even, even more capital. What I so um, want to pull out from your, your story, from this story, it's because it's not just you, you alone. I know you work with lots of people and um, we haven't talked about your co-founder, but the, what's so important to me for this, about this story is the curiosity, the why not, the fact that, you know, engineers are, we put engineers in the box if they stay in their box. You didn't stay in your box. You didn't say, this is my lane, and I'm not going to look over there in the other lanes. Mm -hmm. And to me also, you know, you said, kept saying yes, like, yes. You didn't say, no, that's not us, or we don't do that, or I'm an engineer. Um hmm. So to me, I, I think those are some of the things that I, you know, I, I feel a little like, emotional because i want that's what i'm i hope for for people that mm -hmm. we don't say i um you know i this is i'm i'm i just work with this thing and so I, that thing is not my thing so we're not gonna we're gonna not go over there you just said at least in my mind you said yeah let's go see let's go see it and i said i do want to mention your book because mm -hmm. i because it is such 
a fabulous book. But the, part of what I loved about it was, so it is The Worth of Water. People can't see it. And the co-author is, yes, it is true. It is Matt Damon because he is the co-founder. Mm. Um, but what I love about it is because you just do tell the story of having those ideas and saying, well, why not? Mm -hmm. um, does that, what, what comes up for you? Does that feel like what I'm saying is right for you or am I missing some part of it that, that I don't see from the outside? No, that that's exactly it. I think, um, you know, being curious and being uh, open to ideas outside of your own domain or not just being open to them, but seeking them out. Uh, mm. And I think that, you know, these external forces that seem like they have nothing to do with what you're doing in your domain can have a lot to do with that. And I think for me that, uh, that I went to the TED conference, you know, the original TED conference, right. <clears throat> you know, back when it was uh, in, uh, I guess it was around San Francisco that they had it before it moved to Long Beach and then it moved to to uh, to Canada. But that those early days of TED, when it was a pretty small gathering, to me, that was like, you know, being a kid in a candy store to be able to sit, you know, for a few days and hear ideas and concepts from people who were doing nothing like you were doing. And, and yet all of those ideas could kind of be borrowed or kind of bent in your direction. And I think that's where the concept of, you know, bending, you know, microfinance towards water and sanitation was like here was this thing that was happening you know around the world with muhammad yunus and others and it was completely divorced from what we were doing with water it's like why does that have to be so let's bring those things together i think the same thing is true when we were looking you know matt and i were kind of in the back of a jeep in india several years ago probably 2015 and meeting some of our partners and hearing from them what they needed to scale up. And that was like, yeah, we're doing some of these loans to households for water and toilets, but we need much more capital if we're going to scale this up. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, can we somehow figure out how to get investment capital into this, which seemed like a crazy idea that, you know, people could get a financial return while also helping poor people get water. But it's like, wait, what about this whole concept of social impact investing that's starting to take off? You know, and Matt's like, you know, I'll put in a million dollars to the first fund and we'll go see who we can raise money from, from friends and family. And then that took off as a concept like, okay, we can, you know, the first fund worked. <laughs> we were able to get a lot of people water and we were able to provide that financial return to investors. And so like these disparate forces that seem like they have nothing to do with what you're doing, if you can, if you can harness them in new ways, that's, that can really, you know, be gold. I love what you called it, bending in your direction. I love that. I think that's fabulous. It should be the title of a book. <laughs> um, and did you do you ever get scared? Like, oh, crap, what are we doing here? What, like, you've said yes to big things. You said yes to, to merging your organization with Matt Damon's. You mm -hmm. said yes to the water equity. Do you ever feel like, uh, you said to me earlier, you know, I get out up too far ahead of my skis sometimes. Do you ever feel like you're like not even on your skis? Uh, not so much anymore. I did in the early days, you know, when we had no startup money to start an NGO and it was just kind of, uh, you know, uh, seat of your pants kinds of things. But, uh, 
you know, even though we, we, we do still have this social entrepreneurial culture, I think uh, we also have, you know, a great team uh, that, that share that. Uh, we have a great board of directors that, you know, is, is quick to, to say yes, but not without answering, you know, asking a few questions and kind of pressure testing it. So I feel like we're kind of at that, that happy medium now where uh, we, you know, you know, I have my board meeting coming up for both water.org and water equity uh, next month. And, you know, I'll be presenting some new ideas at that point and, and hoping that, you know, we can rally behind those. Uh, so it's, it's a good amount of kind of probing and testing, but uh, the instinct is to say yes uh, and to take risks because, I mean, if you're going to solve a crisis, you know, where billions of people lack something so basic as water and sanitation, if you're going to be that audacious, you're not going to get there, you know, just by doing the same thing. And uh, you have to take take risks. Uh, and fortunately, the risks we've taken and the bets that we've placed have really paid off. And so also, I imagine you feel you gain confidence, you take risks, they pay off. So that also increases your feeling of, all right, we can do this. So it yeah. build, it, it strengthens your muscle to use that old um, huh. metaphor. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It also doesn't mean that, you know, you haven't stubbed your toe, right? So yeah. I think that's the other thing. I know when, when we first had this concept of lending money, you know, to our partner organizations, we started off by lending, you know, to those NGOs who were doing water projects with the concept that maybe they could become more like a, a financial institution where they were currently working with just grants. Well, you know, what we realized pretty quickly, it's really hard to turn an NGO into an MFI. There's just mm. a whole, whole different mindset there. And so some of the loans, particularly in, in Kenya that we did, you know, we had to write off, you know, most of the value of those because those those projects that we were lending for, you know, came online too late. They didn't have the cash flow with the, you know, the customers in the communities. Uh, they had problems getting electricity to the sites. And so you had all these series of kinds of setbacks and failures that, you know, because they weren't necessarily good at project planning and financial planning, you know, that didn't work. And so, you know, we definitely uh, have had some, you know, smaller failures within the bigger success, I guess you would say, that allow you and it's, it's it makes sense, right? You, right. You don't even, you know, oftentimes, I think not just with, you know, nonprofits and social enterprise organizations, but even with tech companies and others, you know, you end up being a far different company a few years down the road doing a far different thing than you ever imagined from the outset. And the reason you get there is because you have these failures inside of this overall trajectory that get you to success. And I think that's why you have to be, you know, willing to course correct and, and come at it from, from new directions. I think that if if you yeah, if you don't make mistakes, what are you doing? You haven't yeah. tried, you haven't pushed far enough. I mean it's it, yeah. those things don't go together. You don't try something new with no mistakes. So yeah. No, that's um, a good point. I just I yeah. did some crazy math the other day and it's looking at like if if we had just kept on our current trajectory uh of drilling wells you know uh it would have been probably like 500 years <laughs> before we had made the progress that we've made you know in the last wow. 10 years uh so it's, it's it's a very different approach and it has you know a greater scalability 
So I wanted to th- then touch on just bring in the, the vision that your vision was bigger than than that, than however, if you just, just been drilling well. So you had to have a bigger vision to that. I, that's part of it, to bigger vision to realize we're not going to get there this way. What else? Where mm-hmm. else can we pull from? Um, yeah. What else can we bend in our direction? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, what, when you think back on your younger self, what uh, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I wish I would have, you know, I probably would have, instead of doing three engineering degrees, I may have done an MBA <laughs> to start with, because I think right. the, you know, the whole concept of finance being really at the heart of this uh it didn't strike me at the time so i wish i had known more kind of about you know the markets and uh you know why people uh you know had, don't have water and how they could you know break out of that other than just than just charity i think uh you know i was probably a little naive in how long it would take to get things done and so uh you know I'd always bite off more than I could chew, <laughs> but then having, you know, I had a little bit of tenacity in me that, you know, I always made sure I did get it chewed up and, and move on. Uh, so I don't know that I would, I would have wanted to navigate that differently uh, in terms of, you know, like I said before, getting out over my skis. Uh, but I think it's, uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I was pretty fortunate, actually. I, I mean, I've had a pretty kind of, you know, monolithic career. I haven't changed jobs in 32 years right. uh, and longer, right? I mean, my, my, actually, my last job uh, uh, was in, in engineering consulting. That was brief. So it was really my last real job was with CRS, you know, and I've been kind of doing this pretty much ever since. And so I feel like that was, you know, and, and you know, the, I think it was Thomas Edison who said, I, I felt like I never did a day's work in my life. It was mm. all fun. Now I was a janitor for a few years in high school. So that wasn't so much fun, that job. But, you know, ever since I've been doing this, I feel like it hasn't been work. It's just like, I, I love to show up every day and, and, and do what I'm doing. And I can't imagine doing anything else. I attribute that a lot to your being curious and then, you know, saying yes and the universe or however you want to think about it rising to meet you. You have had some lot that you created but and then some things that just who could have known that you would have met Matt Damon in a, <laughs> at a conference and that you would have resonated with each other. And that's just like you couldn't have mapped that one out if you had tried, right? No, no, that was, uh, again, you know, good fortune being introduced to him and seeing that he had started a water organization himself that was fairly young and seeing how we could we could collaborate together and in Africa in particular. And then that just led to, you know, a deeper kind of connection. We both kind of 
tenuously went into the relationship and kind of figured out who each other was. <laughs> and we both felt comfortable in, in moving forward then with bringing the two organizations together. And that's that's been amazing. You know, it's uh, Matt is actually one of the world's water experts now. We've been doing this together, you know, since 2009. And uh, he... Uh, just uh, contributes immensely to the organization, both intellectually and and meeting, you know, with you know finance ministers and World Bank and Davos and all the things that we do together. But he also uh, is an incredibly strong financial supporter of water.org and water equity. In fact, he's he's the largest individual contributor to to water.org. So he he does it all with us and uh, it's been a great relationship and you know doing the book together I think was a lot of fun as well as you know ha- hopefully having some impact. Yeah, I did want to pull out that he's he's not um he's he's not a lightweight. He knows his stuff. He knows water. He's not just showing up as as a pretty face. So I did I I I did want to pull that out because I think that's important to give him credit for that, um, for what he, he knows what he's talking about. So, yeah, um, yeah. I do, I do want to say to our, to everyone that one of the things it's really worth reading your book, Gary, because not, not only if you're not, if you're interested in water issues, but it's also because I thought it was a great, leadership journey book mm-hmm. and i you know talking about looking at things um you know even if you're not interested in water i thought that the the way things unfold the way you guys thought about things the opportunities that came up i i thought was a, a good um insight into how into how the how things evolve or how leaders can be, and that's why I would actually hope people read this, not just for the water issues. I'm still holding it here, but for also the leadership journey. Uh, I thought that was really quite interesting and enlightening to me. Um, so, I did want to say that if you please do read the book. Yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully it's it's you know we wrote it in a way that it was very approachable too. So you know it, right. it's not water water heavy and and really it's it is our story but it's really more us kind of transmitting the story of of people around the world particularly women uh who you know suffer disproportionately for this and hopefully capturing their voice a little bit as well i thought you did a good job so thank you so much for coming and taking the time to talk to us i yeah i still can continue to be in awe about what you've done or where you've gone from that small bit that I saw you. And then we just reconnected just last year and to see everything you've created. So congratulations to you and we will keep our eyes on you. Thanks, Lynn. Really, really appreciate it. Good to catch up with you after so many years and hopefully, you know, share some of the experience with others who are kind of on these leadership paths. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, everyone. See you at our next podcast. 